It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see everyone out here. So many people willing to serve God on this Sunday morning. It's my prayer also, along with Brother Bills, and I appreciate that, that the things that I have to say will be edifying and that we can say that we can leave here and that we've been lifted up and hopefully strengthened for the week to come. I know what I've put together to study and present to you this morning is something, like all of us have said, we, we use ourselves for a basis of what we need. And, and I don't know what you may need this morning, but I know I've struggled with this for many years. And hopefully it's something that, that can help you uh, in your Christian walk. Turn over to Psalms chapter 46, and I'd like to read the 11 verses in that chapter to kind of set the stage of what we want to talk about this morning. Psalms chapter 46, beginning in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake... With a swelling thereof, Salah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. You know, as we look at that verse this morning, and that's, that's what started this whole lesson process in my mind, that was sent to me in a time of trouble, when I was having a bad day. And it was sent to me. And it resonated with me because it drew a picture in my mind of this city set in the middle of trouble and in the middle of chaos. And, and as it describes, the mountains were being cast in the sea and the waters were troubled. And, and I see the mountains swelling as in a volcanic uh, eruption. But it says there sets a city. And in that city is God. And there's a river that flows into it. And there's peace and there's tranquility in the city. No matter what's going on all around it, there sets God in the middle of this city. And there's peace. And a river of peace and love flows into it. And then he goes on to talk about the greatness of God, how that God is great. And God can be in control of anything. And how uh, the writer says, well, he is our God. And we serve the God of Jacob. And he goes on to say, he breaks the bow of, of uh, the armies and he breaks the spear in sunder. God can do anything. And that's what this is telling us. God is the refuge for his people. And he goes on, and, and in verse 10 is what really struck me. He says, be still, or be at peace, be calm, and know, truly know, and understand that I am God. 
And that's where we want, I want us to focus around this morning. And that's, I don't know if I can get it to come on. Oh, yeah, thank you. I want us to think about a little while this morning, be still and know that I am God. And I think that's very important in our Christian life. And we lose sight of that. We live in a society, in a nation, in a world where we constantly hear hate, don't we? People who hate Christians, people who hate Islam, people who hate different colors, people who hate the president, it's on and on. Hate, hate, hate. And along with hate comes troubles, riots. We hear about that all the time. Everybody seems to be in this great big tumult in the world. All the problems. We have news stations that are dedicated and make millions of dollars off of 24 hours a day. Suffering, death, destruction, all the things that are wrong in the world. And if we don't watch it, that coupled with our own problems and the own, our own internal struggles that we face, guess what? We're not being still anymore, are we? We're troubled. We're chaotic. And we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, can we? Maybe you can. I don't know. Sometimes that happens to me. But the fact is, we get sucked into that. And it's God's people. I wanted to put something together this morning that hopefully can, can help us build. And build that city and be in that city with God where peace reigns no matter what's going on outside, no matter what's falling down around us, no matter what's happening in our life, that we can have that peace. And we can have the rivers of God's word and God's love and God's blessings flow into our lives. And be still and know that he's God. I have five steps that I want to talk about this morning that I think that I've used in my life and that I'm still trying to apply in my life, and I'm by no means conquered this, but five steps that I want to go over. And the first step, I think, in order for us to be still and be calm and to know that God is God is, first of all, we have to build a foundation of faith and a relationship with God. I think that's the very basic thing that we have to do. If we're going to have any kind of peace in our life, we have to have this foundation. Turn over, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and the verses are there behind me on the board, but I can't hardly preach without turning to them in my Bible, so I'll, I'll probably be a little slower. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verses 11 through 15, it says, for, no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work be able or work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, as we look at this, it's very fitting that we talk about building a firm foundation upon God. And he talks here in Corinthians about building that foundation, and he talks about six different types of materials that you use or that he's, that he's uh, using as an, an analogy in this. But I want to break that into two. You've got your precious stones and your precious materials, and you've got your wood and your hay and your stubble. Now, obviously, if anybody's ever built a house or ever built a barn, anything with a foundation, you can't start off on sand, can we? 
We usually get some sort of caliche or some sort of compactable material, and we begin to build that foundation. And then on top of that, we lay a foundation of concrete. It's no different with the Word of God. But take care how we build that is what this verse is talking about. And he's talking about building on a foundation, a foundation of God of preciousness, of stones, of jewels. And it goes on and it talks about hay and stubble. And I think there's, there's more to this verse that you can get into that I'm not going to get into this morning. But suffice it to say, we need to be building a relationship and a foundation in Christ built on preciousness, and that's God's Word, and that's our relationship with Him. You know, if you take a diamond and a, and, and a piece of pure silver and a piece of pure gold, and you put them in a furnace and heat it up to whatever temperature you want to, that gold's going to melt, the silver's going to melt, and the diamond's going to stay right there. But you know what happens when you pour each one of those out again? You've still got pure gold, you've still got pure silver, and you've still got a pure diamond. And that's what he's talking about when he talks about the fires. And you can think about it as the fires of life, the trouble that we are in, whatever we're suffering through at this time or that we're going to suffer through in the days to come. If you're built with gold and silver and precious jewels, you're gonna, you may suffer a fire and you may suffer some loss and that may be the loss of things of this world. It may be the loss of our health. Who knows what it may be? That's each to us. That's our own personal battle. But the fact is, you may suffer a little loss, but you're still pure in the end if you've built on that firm foundation and you've not lost your relationship or your foundation with God. Just because troubles come, that foundation will still be there. And it will still be what it was, and it will still be a pure relationship with God. It just might not be in the same form as it was before, but we're still there, and we're still building. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now this goes on and talks about a next step in the foundation. It talks about a foundation built on Jesus Christ that we talked about in the verse before, but he talks about building up and being fitly framed together. Now, I ask you this morning, how can we as Christians in this building build on a foundation and be built and joined and fitted together? Well, that's what we have here in our Christian brothers and sisters. When we couple that foundation with God's Word and we couple that with other Christians, we build that building, the church. Because the church, as we've said before, it's not this building. It's the lives and it's the people sitting in this audience today. And when we come together, we can be fitly joined together with God's Word and his love and his relationship is the mortar and the, and the nails that hold that together. And that's what we have to do. We have to build that foundation not only with God and a relationship with him, but we have to build that foundation with those around us who are of like minds and of like faith. We have to build that. If we're going to have this peace and if we're going to build that city where God is at the center... We have to build that foundation. We have to build it on Christ, and we have to build it with others. Romans chapter 8.
Romans chapter 8, verses 13 through 17. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. He talks about us leaving the life of the flesh. And when we do that, we have to set, a, set aside the cares of this life, and we have to focus on that relationship with God. And in doing so, when we have that foundation and we have that relationship with God, what does it say? One of the most beautiful things we can hear, we are the sons and daughters of God. But we can't have that if we don't have a relationship, can we? We can't have a relationship with our children if we don't love them and if we don't stay in contact with them and if we don't hold them close to us. We don't have a relationship. And it's the same way with God. If we want to be called the sons of God, if we want to have the privilege and the honor and the consolation of crying to our God, Abba, Father. You ever been in that position? You ever been to the position where you've prayed so much you don't even know what to ask for anymore? And you hit your knees and you just say, Abba, Father, you know what I need because I can't express it. I don't know what I need. Have you ever been there? What a privilege that is. And you can't have that if you don't have a relationship with God. We can't have that if we don't build on that foundation and it's not strong. And I think everybody here is proof that we want that this morning. We want that in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 1, well, I'm just going to give it up because it's faster. I'm just going to start, keep reading off the slides. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 3, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. It, here written to Timothy, Paul says in, in all of his faith and all of his glory, he said, I know whom I have believed, and that's God, and Jesus Christ and his gospel. He says, I know whom I have believed. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. I believe in it. And he said, you know what? I'm persuaded without a doubt that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. That relationship, that uh, promise that, that Paul had given to God through baptism to walk and to follow and, and submission to God, he said, I know he is able to keep that which I've committed to him, that I've given to him. He said, I know I believed and I know and I'm persuaded that he's able. He's willing and able. If we'll just build that relationship and we'll put our trust in him, he is willing and able. And, he's, and Paul, Paul said it. And, you know, he's, he's somebody that we've always looked up to the way his life lives. But he said, I know that he'll keep it till the end of that day. And he said, I know it'll be there because God is a faithful God. And we just need to build that relationship with him and love him and follow him. The next step I'd look like to look at is following God in the good times as well as the bad. 
And you know, that's something that me, myself, am very guilty of. When things are going bad, boy, I'll hit my knees, and Lord, I need help, I need guidance, I need you in my life. And then when everything gets better, well, it's great, I did it on my own, here we go. I lose my prayer life, I lose my study life, and I lose all of those things because times are good. But the fact is, we have to follow God in the good times as well as the bad if we want to continue to have that city that's peaceable and to be still and know that he is God. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men which were lepers and which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when they saw him, he said unto them, when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, one of them, When he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus, as he goes through, he sees these ten leopards, and they're crying, Jesus, we need your help. Master, we need your help. Help us. We've got a problem. And he said, go and show yourselves to the priest, which that was customary for someone when they were healed of leprosy. They had to go before the priest, and there was a whole thing that you had to go through. If you're interested in that, it's in the old law. But he said, go and show yourself. And as they walked... Their leprosy disappeared. Now, if you're familiar with leprosy, it's a horrible disease. It literally eats you from the inside out. Your appendages begin to fall off, and you're basically rotting, and you're still alive. There were ten men that were going through that problem, and Jesus healed them. And what happened? When they had their leprosy, we need your help, Father. We need you. We need you. Okay, you're healed now. Times are good. Things are great. We're going to get... Uh, the priest to pronounce us clean. Only one returned when he saw and looked down at his hands and his arms and he said, my skin is back. And he went and he fell down at the feet of of Jesus and he worshipped him. See, that's the guy we need to be. When times are good, we fall on our knees and we cry, Abba, Father, thank you for everything you've given us. Help me. Instead of when things are bad, hitting our knees and saying, Father, we need help. We need him all times. We need him in good times and we need him in bad times. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And you only need to do that when things are good. That's not what it says. If we are going to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind, everything that we've got, that means in the good times as well as the bad. And that's what strengthens us for the things when things get bad. That's where we're laying that foundation. That's where we're building that relationship because things are good. Now when things are bad, that relationship is there and we don't have to build it in the bad times because we're already weathering the storm, aren't we? We're already ready. We're fortified 
to the best of our ability as a human. The next thing I'd like to look at is fear and worry. And you know that, I think you can, you can throw stress in on top of that because I think it's just a form of all that. And we all talk about stress and we all joke about it. I've always joked with mom and Aunt Ann that if they didn't have me or something I was doing or somebody else to worry about, they'd worry about not worrying. You know, and we joke about that, don't we? But you know what fear and worry does? Fear and worry rob our salvation and our joy. Not our salvation, I said that wrong. It robs our joy of our salvation. I had it backwards. But it steals from us the joy that God has put in our heart when we worry and we're afraid. And some of that is going to happen because we are human. We're not machines. We're going to have fear and worry. But the fact is we have to have that fear and worry put inside of a godly container and in a godly aspect and a godly outlook. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight, that's fear and that's worry, and the sin which which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Lay Lay aside the stress and the worry. And I know that's easier said than done. It's really easy to stand up here and go, you know what, you need to quit worrying in your life. You need to not be afraid. But the fact is, it's a real challenge in our lives. And we can't do it without God. And that's what he's all saying here. He said, lay that aside. He doesn't say that you can't have it, but he says, lay it aside. Lay aside the sin. And he said, run with patience the race that is set before us. And how do we get our patience? Patience comes through God's word. And it comes through experience of weathering the storm. And it comes through a relationship with God. And as we start to build on those things, we're going to have fear and worry, but lay them aside and run our race. Concentrate on the race. What we do when we leave here for the next three or four days in our jobs, that's not our race. Our race is how we treat each other how we love our families, how we love each other, how we serve and worship God. That's our race. Our race isn't who we are. It isn't what we do. It's, it's what, how we react to God's word and how we apply that in our lives and how we travel through to the final destination, and that's heaven. It's not the, the 50-room mansions in, a mansion on the hill. It's the mansion in heaven where Jesus is the light and God is our Father and we are ever in his presence. That is the goal, not the bank account. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 4, And there uh, arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat on the ship so that it was full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, speaking about Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awaked him, that's the apostles, And they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now I want you to put that in perspective. And a lot of time we we skip over, I I know I do, and we go, Jesus calmed the waves with just his words. But you know what? Jesus was on the ship with his apostles. 
And they're in the middle of this storm, and Jesus, the Son of God, is laying asleep. He's not worried. He knows what's going on. And they come to him, and they said, Don't you care what's going on? We're all going to die here. Don't you care? You ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that maybe our brothers and sisters, or, or maybe even Jesus himself, we've had that fleeting thought of, do you not see what's going on here? Do you not see that I need help? But you know what we lose fact in, or sight of and what the apostles lost sight of? Jesus was with them all the time, wasn't he? He was right there. But they lost sight of that. They looked at him as a human and they said, don't you care? And we do that, don't we? We fail to see that Jesus is with us. And you know, it's, it's not the fact that they were worried. It was the fact that they came to him and said, Jesus, don't you care? He said, where's your faith? He was in the same position. And he wasn't afraid because he knew the outcome. We can't know the outcome, but we can trust and know that Jesus is in the boat with us. Our Father's in the boat with us. And we can't have him in that boat if we don't have that relationship. And if we're not following him. Jesus will calm the storm, and it may not be the kind of calm that we want, but Jesus is always there, and he will calm it if you'll just let him, and if you'll have faith in him. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, very plainly, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now I'm going to ask you one thing. Do you believe that God will do what he says he does? Do you believe that Jesus will do what he says he does like, like, like Paul did? He said, I know whom I, whom I have believed and am persuaded. That right there. He says, I'm not going to leave you. Don't be dismayed. I will uphold you. I will be there. Now, we either believe in that statement or we don't. There's no two ways about that. No matter what our convoluted human minds say, it's one or the other. You either don't believe it or you do. But I know in my life so many times I find myself going, man, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm afraid. But that's what he said. And that worry and that fear... It's causing me to doubt, isn't it? It's causing me to lose focus. And it's causing my foundation to be chipped away, isn't it? That's exactly what fear and worry will do for us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God in the peace. That's a beautiful word, isn't it? Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Be careful for nothing because God is with us. That's what that's saying. He said, make your request known. When we've said it many times before, can you just walk into the, the President of the United States office and go, hey man, I need some help. Can't do it. More than likely, you can't walk into the mayor of Plainview's office and say that and say, hey, i got to have help right now. you got to listen to me. No. But you know what? We can hit our knees and make a supplication to the creator of the universe and the giver of life itself, and we can say, I need help. 
I need your love and I need your care and I just need some strength. That in and of itself is worth more than anything we can ever buy, have, or receive from anyone. The next step I'd like to look at is relying on God. Relying on God and not ourself. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now he's talking about seeking of the things of the world and the, the, in, in, uh, the blessings of, of life. Food, raiment, housing, all that stuff. But he says, Seek you first what? The kingdom of God. When we get our priorities backwards according to mankind and we put God first, guess what? Things work out. But when we put our mind into it and we rely on ourselves, what do we do? We put everything, we put our house, our kids, our college ed- the kids' college education, how are we going to get them cars, how are we going to pay the bills, how are we going to pay the mortgage, how are we going to do this? And guess what? God goes to the bottom of the list, doesn't he? We lose sight on the fact that God said, if you'll seek me first, instead of seeking all this other stuff, this other stuff's going to come. Now, I'm not pe- preaching a gospel of prosperity where you give God a dollar and he gives you a hundred. That's not what I'm saying. The fact is, God gives us what we need. And, and you know what? We don't always need what we think we need, do we? But the fact is, he said, seek God first. And when we put God first... The rest of it will come into play. But we have to rely on him to do that and not on me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 30, 30, 29, excuse me. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and mankind, or you cannot serve God and money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life for what you shall eat or what you shall drink, for yet for the body what you shall put on. It is not the life more than meat or our food, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, that's the, the predecessor to the verse before it, the group, of, the group of thinking there. And he said, you can't serve two masters. And I know it talks about serving uh, money or mankind and God, but doesn't it work? We can't serve ourselves and God. We can't rely on ourselves and think we're the got it all figured out, and then say, but God's got it figured out. We can't do it. We have to rely on God. We can't serve self and God because we're going to love one and we're going to hate the other. And usually we like to love ourselves. And God will take second, second place to that. We have to rely on God and not ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 31 in verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. 
And again, I go back to, do we trust what God has to say? Do we trust what Jesus has to say? He said, be strong. Be of good courage. Be still. I'm God. And I'll be there. And he said, I'm not going to forsake you. And again, it just, I go back to Philippians chapter 4 through 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, what passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, if we truly want to turn it over to God and allow, rely on Him, our human nature is not just going to let us do that, is it? Human nature is quite opposite to God but ask him in supplication and prayer help us to rely on him that's what I've done in my life and that's what I've had to do over and over help me submit my stubborn pride and my stubborn will to you and let me rely on you and not myself because ultimately in Callan Pinkerton's life when Callan Pinkerton has exhausted every bit of his knowledge and his know-how of how to fix the situation, who's left? Nothing. Because I'm human, because I'm fallible, there's nothing really there for me to fix, is there? But on the other hand, you've got God that created the universe by speaking it into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be time, and time was created. He said, let there be a human, and he formed him out of the ground. Who am I to sit there and say, I know better? God is who we have to rely on. He's the great one, not me, and not you. It's God. The last point I'd like to look at today is allowing God to be in control. Not only just relying on him, but allowing him to control our Christian life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, that's a very hard thing for me especially, and I'm going to use myself, to humble myself to anything. Because basically, really, we're taught in our society, we are a lifted-up person because we're an American, because we have that right given to us in the Constitution. We have the right to say what we want. We have the right to do pretty much what we want. That's not humility. Humility is placing self behind and submitting to someone else and in this case submitting ourselves to God but he says if you'll do that and you'll cast your cares on me he says do that because I care for you you want to know how much Jesus I mean how much God cared for us what this verse is talking about he sent his son who had no sin to a filthy stinking city to be born in a manger and to be taken to another filthy city filled with filthy human beings and to be nailed to a cross, to be beaten and humiliated and in the most intense pain that a human could ever suffer. And he said, that's what I'll give you if you'll just follow me. 
You don't have to go through this. I'm going to put all of that on him so you can follow me. So you can be my son. So you can be my daughter. And he said, I'll, I'll allow him to die. That's how much, Jesus, I mean, how much God cared for us. And Jesus also. So what is it to us to humble ourselves just a little bit? What is it to us to give up just a little bit of that control in our life and to say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do and I'm going to follow you? That's a very little sacrifice, isn't it? But we find it so hard, don't we? We find it so hard. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 when you want to talk about God being in control, take this into consideration. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to talk about going through problems? It doesn't matter what problem it is, whether it's your health, whether it's finance, whether it's, it's you know, family problems. You know, that can't separate you from God. I can't physically come to you and threaten you and take away God's love from you or take away your salvation or take away anything from you. There's nothing on this earth that can do that. Save one. And that's me. I can give my salvation up at any time like that. But there's no power, no principality. There's no, nothing. No angels can't even take away our salvation. If we'll just turn control over to God and allow him to control and to guide and for us to follow him. And that's, that's a two-stage two deal. I'm not, I'm not preaching that, you know, follow God and, and do nothing. You know, or just allow God to be in control and do nothing. We have to follow where he leads. And I, I, want, I want everybody to know that. I, he, we have to follow that. But let him lead. Because he can see down the road, can he? He can see the end of time and he can see the decision as it forks in the road, which one we're going to take. And he's a lot better equipped to make that decision than you or I. We need to allow him to be in control because nothing can separate us when we are synonymous with our God, when we follow him, when we are together with him. There's nothing that can separate us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 6 through 7, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home, or while we are alive, or while we are on this earth, and here in the body, we are absent from the Lord. You know, he's talking about there, and he goes on, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And he's not saying that God is not with us. He's saying we are not in heaven when we are still alive. And he's making the comparison there that as we walk this life, we have to walk by faith and, walk by, and not by sight, and, in, in, and when we leave this world, we will be forever in the presence of God. We will be there with him because he's in control. And he says, let us always be confident in God. 
And, and you know, that really should be our goal. That when we leave this right here, where we're at, that our true reward and our true goal and our true what we really want is at home with God. And we lose sight of that. And I think when we allow God to be in control and we build on those foundations, we begin to focus that human mind back into the center where God is and realize that while we're here, it's really more troublesome because if, if we just shed this mortal coil, there's a better place. And it's better because we don't have stress and we don't have worry and we don't have fear and we don't have death. And the list goes on and on. And we get, we get to see Jesus. And I hope I get to say thank you to his face and fall at his feet and say thank you. That's the goal. That's what we want. Let's turn to second, and this, this slide's messed up, so uh, it's supposed to be 8 and 9, but this has 7 on it. Let's, second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down and not destroyed. You know, if we'll look at those words when we're going through troubles in our lives, it's not saying that we're not going to be persecuted. It's not going to say that we don't have problems. It's not going to say that, that we may keep everything that we've put together in our lives. But he said we're cast down and we're not destroyed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. When we follow God, when we build on that foundation, we can say in times of trouble and in times of sorrow, I'm cast down, but I'm not forgotten by God. I may have trouble, but I'm not broken. And that's our goal, isn't it? And ultimately, in the end, if we follow that, we'll stand at the feet of God whole and without fear and without any more problems in this life. And we'll look at Jesus and he'll say, Enter in, my good and faithful servant. We can have that city here on this earth where God sets and it's fed by the river and we're protected in that sea of calm, the sea of tranquility, if you will. But we can't do that if we don't build on the foundations and if we don't work at it and we don't pursue a relationship and we don't rely on him and put him first. That's all I have to say this morning. I hope that something I've said this morning... You can say that you feel better for the week to come. I know I've enjoyed the study myself. If there's somebody here that's never obeyed the gospel, that had never started to build on that foundation, if you don't have a relationship with God, I beg you, don't wait. We're not promised tomorrow. We have water here. We have a change of clothes. There's nothing to keep you, to, keep you from it except your own pride or your own fear. You can go in that water and you can... You can wash away your sins and you can become a child of God and you can hit your knees and say Abba Father help me I just need some help
You've got a congregation full of people here that all they're going to do is say, praise the Lord, and they're going to hug your neck when you're done and say, welcome to the family, brother or sister. If you hadn't done that, don't put it off. Your life and your soul is way too important to be toyed with. If there's a person here who would just like to be strengthened in their foundation, in their faith, we're happy to pray for you. We consider it an honor to be able to pray for you. If there's one of either class, we ask you to come as we stand and sing.